Are you curious on how much your business is worth? Get your free no obligation offer from Open Store at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is a leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long-term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC pod. So basically, I'm from Spain, from the south of Spain. Um, had my first e-commerce when I was 16, which is salt. And that was, um, we realized there was a, there was a kind of a trend in Spain uh, about using suspenders. Like, let's say posh people that do mm-hmm. investment banking and consulting, right? And we realized it was a, the average uh, ticket was a uh, hundred dollars for suspenders, and um, I wanted to buy one. They were sold out. Okay, so hundred dollars sold out, and then I got a contact. I was manufacturing for Inditex mm-hmm. in Morocco. Start figuring out the, the prices of the of the supply. I realized I could manufacture for less than ten dollars. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I have no clue what I'm doing, but let's do this. So I started selling this uh, through my Shopify for $35 mm-hmm. and ended up selling this company after one year and a half. Really bootstrap, lots of mistakes, uh, not a life-changing exit, but it was a, it was something, a good experience, let's say. Then I went to China. In the meanwhile, I was a, a studying business because yes, to make my family happy, but uh, I wasn't really going to university or anything. Went to China, learned some Mandarin and had an import-export startup there. So basically we were doing like, a, I was kind of the key. So I was like moving containers uh, from Europe to China, or basically from China to Europe. Um, so I realized many opportunities there, like anything, I mean, you could get anything you wanted yep. at really good prices. So lots of opportunities. And then I met the founder of Angry Birds, Peter, or the Mighty Eagle, and he hired me to go to Finland. He convinced me that I graduated in Finland because I was studying at the same time. And I was like, okay, what should I do? I want to start another thing. So I started calling like my friends, let's say mentors, and they were all, okay, you're smart, hold on, hold your horses, do some strategic consultancy or investment banking. So I went to investment banking, Lazar, for an internship, and I was like, okay, this is not my thing. So after doing whatever I wanted in China, traveling yeah. around the world. How long did you try it for? Sorry? Investment banking, how long did you do it for, try it for? A few months. A few months. A few months, and I was like, this is not my thing. I mean. Yeah. And like, is it the, the, the best paid job, let's say in Spain? And I was leaving, so everyone was like, okay, this guy is totally nuts. But he's like, what do I do? Like 3 a.m. in the morning, changing a presentation, like the flags of countries, like, <laughs> it's like, I didn't understand it, right? So left it, um, and then I was kind of uh, with that. So I did a program at IESE, uh, IESE Business School, like a summer program, met lots of people from Latin America, realized it was a huge opportunity. And then I came to Mexico with the excuse of a wedding and I got to meet the founders of Green Scooters, which is like the lime of bird for Latin America. Yep. They were yes in YC and I joined as, as very early like a uh, expansion guy. Um, we raised 200 million in equity and it led the expansion. So I was like living from country to country in Latin America. Um, for Green Scooters? For Green Scooters. So I opened 10 countries and 30 cities in a year and a half. 
in Argentina, I got to meet my current co-founders, Ivan and Fede, who have more than 20 years in, 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 in experience as, let's say, CEOs, CFOs, and COOs, so very big e-commerces in the region, yep. and very big startups. And then like beginning of last year, we said, okay, Latin America is the fastest growing e-commerce market in the world, 100 billion total at the small market. But every time we try to buy something, it's like the worst experience with the worst product, right? And we were used to buy things in both Europe, US. We were like, okay, why don't we build the next generation of online brands in Latin America? Mm -hmm. uh, this is how everything started. We went through YC. And well, I mean, you, you kind of know the, the conclusions. We're doing very, very well. It's still in the early days, uh, but yeah, everything is. So you, so I went to your office and there was yeah. a lot of people running around and you know, it's still, it's still really early seed stage, but yeah. you did, you guys just did raise a round of a $15 million seed, is that right? Well, we announced the seed. Uh -huh. um, we also raised the Series A and I don't want to make it, okay. <laughs> let's say it's half public. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to really yeah, focus on the fundraising side. It's kind of a mm -hmm. uh, a trap, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, in terms of in terms of revenue, we're both creating brands from zero, mm -hmm. so that's what I want to learn from here. Mm -hmm. What are the good and hot D two C brands in the in the US? Mm -hmm. Latin America is basically the US fifteen years ago, mm -hmm. so it's like right now I'm in the future. And then next week I'm coming back to the past yeah. to build the future, which is like, right. it's interesting. That's so I want to learn from what good brands are here and we are creating brands from zero. You know, like we, we took a brand from zero to $1 million in annualized revenue in a couple of weeks. Um, and it's because of there is more demand than supply, mm -hmm. which is pretty obvious. Do you think the consumer is also in the past? Like there probably are, right? Like the experience, the the you know, the research process that a consumer goes through to buy a product like here in US, you have people that probably go on Instagram to check out the brand, you know, what people are saying about it. Um, and so how is a consumer in Latin America different than say, you know, the consumer in US? So I, I give you an example, right? It's like right now it's a hundred billion dollar at the small market, Latin America's e-commerce. Um, so. Yes, in Mexico, for example, 60% of the payments go through. In Amazon and Mercado Libre, which are the main marketplaces, it's bigger, but it's like 60%. In Brazil, it's 90%. So as soon as we get to this 90%, the market is going to be, let's say, 50% more, like it's like 150 billion. Then there is no recurrency rate yet. In two or three years, people are going to buy twice, three times as much, right? So it's like, mm -hmm. yes, it's in the early days. And then there is one big important thing. Latin America is not ready for D2C yet. In a couple of years, it will be the perfect time. Right now, the present is marketplaces mm. because marketplaces have both fintech, so the payments go through in the marketplaces. Mm -hmm. um, and then they have the logistics infrastructure, which hasn't been, been built yet. And it's mm -hmm. being built in the, in the moment, right? So it's like D2C, it's like in the early days, but the marketplaces are crazy. I mean, mm -hmm. everyone goes to the marketplaces when they want to buy something. So the challenge is basically like on the consumer end, they don't have maybe all like the payment infrastructure and everything like you were saying to be able to make, to transact online in the same way you would in the States. Like is, is part of the problem that like, you know, 
not every consumer in Latin America who may want to buy something has a credit card that they can hook up and buy? Or, For example. Okay, so that might be one component. And then as well, on the other side, you have the logistical challenge exactly. where, the, where the infrastructures of the deliveries and all that kind of stuff aren't as established as they are and in the US. And then trust. Right now, people trust Mercado Libre, mm -hmm. Amazon. Mm -hmm. Something beautiful about Latin America is we don't have a monopoly like Amazon here. Mm -hmm. We have Amazon, we have Mercado Libre, you have Falabella. So you have like five to 10 big marketplaces. Of mm -hmm. course, Amazon and Mercado Libre are the main ones, but you have many options. Yep. So what we're doing internally, so it's very hard for someone like, someone who's gonna, is gonna listen to this podcast and say, hey, I'm gonna launch Latin America. Mm -hmm. It's very hard because you need, we have a very important internal SaaS so that we can automate the growth in all the marketplaces. So we have an internal platform, the same company you were telling me about, we have this internal platform where you can operate in all the marketplaces, mm. but it's our internal SaaS. And exactly. It, is, it took us one year to build this. Mm -hmm. So you can operate in not just one country in LATAM, so you can not operate just in... like one marketplace, but lots of marketplaces in different countries. Got it, mm. got it, got it, got it, got it. So what do you think are, yeah, so what are the big problems that you guys need to solve out of the gates so you can be ready for kind of like what you're saying in a couple of years when the, the whole market is ready to support it? What are the challenges you guys are really focused on right now? So you mean to, to do a transition to D2C from marketplace to D2C or? Yeah, just like what are, what are you guys focused on? I mean, what build if it doesn't happen though? Like what if, no. what if DDC is like for full, full DDC, it's three years or five years, right? Like what if, what if the way, because there isn't a monopoly of a one dominant marketplace like Amazon and it's fragmented across multiple marketplaces that the best go to market is really through the marketplaces and the, and, and those companies build the logistics. Um, I wonder like, is that a possibility? It, it always is. I mean, it's high, there is a high probability to see what come up. I mean, uh -huh. there are lots of niche brands that don't want to operate in the marketplaces that will come up. There are like, let's say there are two big brands in Latin America. Uh, one trying to be the Casper for Latin America, for Mexico. Another one trying to be the uh, Warby Parker for yep. Mexico. Um, they've been trying to do D2C for a long time. I'd say it took them a while. And I mean, the Casper for Latin America is trying to operate now in marketplaces. So they're kind of doing some time type of pivot. Mm -hmm. So there is a high probability. I mean, B2C is, is growing mm -hmm. and it will keep it growing. Uh, but it's so much scalable to mm -hmm. operate in the marketplaces than in... Of course, but I think you even see that here in the US, right? Like a lot of the brands that we talk to, their their strategy isn't solely D2C. It's right. like they'll have D2C as a channel, they'll have retail as a channel, they'll have marketplaces as, as a channel, and they just look at the whole business and you know they are able to meet their customers where their customers want to. I don't understand that this only child strategy makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, in our opinion, focus is so important and we're focused on the marketplace. Of course. So we are not, we're not doing any retail nor D2C maybe. D2C of course. is like less than 5% of the revenue. Exactly. Um, so our focus is marketplace by understanding this omnichannel strategy. Makes sense. Yeah. So, so in terms of a marketplace is what you get, so what are you guys doing with Rio Grande? You guys are buying e-commerce brands, creating your own e-commerce brands. Like what is it you're doing and then offering all of them from your platform or how does it, how does it work? So in the end, like what, what customers see is like there are some brands they buy, when they go, let's say they're going to buy a trimmer. Yep. They're going to buy Rio Grande's trimmer without knowing it's Rio Grande's, right? It's another brand, right? Yeah. So we have separate brands. 
the way we get to that is we incubate brands. Mm -hmm. So we create brands from zero. And when we see really good opportunities, we sometimes acquire a company and we 20, 30 exit this brand. Got it, got it, so got it, got it. It's not an M&A play because we, we've done a few acquisitions and it's not an M&A play. It's, it's mm. like a growth play through technology. Got it. So what is the most valuable asset when you're acquiring the brand? Is it, you know, is it their, the already audience that they have built in? Is it the brand that they've, or? It's the summary, it, this is real estate. Marketplace is a real estate. So it's like Miami, we're in Miami right now. You have three buildings in front of the beach. You cannot put three other buildings in front of it, right? So you have three spaces. So the beautiful thing is positioning. When you're, I mean, in the end, the brand is secondary and it, it's something we need to learn. I mean, we're not really good at branding and marketing. We're good at being positioned in the marketplaces and knowing the algorithm and scaling through technology. Everything else is secondary. That's why it's scalable. Got it. So, so in terms of like roadmap right now, how many brands are you guys at? And like, what are some of the brands that you've either grown or brought into the fold? So we have around eight brands. Mm -hmm. um, the goal in three years is to have 30 brands doing $30 million each to get to $1 billion in top line. We will never operate more than 30 brands. We don't believe that's scalable. Uh, I think we believe like it's about having mm -hmm. fewer brands and really focused ones. We're focused on women and home. Mm -hmm. So we're targeting, let's say, the 25 to 45 American middle class women in Latin America. Um, in some brands, um, we have a startup, for example, supplements. Mm -hmm. We realize uh, this is, let's say, in the home space. Uh, and we realize like people were looking for supplements yep. and they couldn't find them. So we were like, okay, let's try to see if there is a really good brand doing supplements in Latin America. Most of them, they were not good. They didn't have good supply, scalable supply. Um, they were not very positioned. They didn't have many SKUs. And we were like, okay, we need to start this from zero. So we took, I mean, this brand was just like really totally a hockey stick. And it's still growing, doing very well. Um, another brand we, I mean, in the home space, we're doing very well. Uh, home sheets. I mean, people, mm -hmm. I mean, they need yeah, sheets of course. for the, the bed. I mean, mm -hmm. something very obvious. Uh, this one is doing very well. But anything, anything in women and home, mm -hmm. probably we're going to be the, I mean, the winners of these categories. So basically the strategy is kind of find brands that are representative of like big consumer demand, go after those brands, bring them in house, scale them up. And then you don't need to own every brand under the sun. You, but through owning these brands, you're able to own a good majority of like what consumers want to, want to shop for online. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. And I mean, by, by being under the same category, even though it's not DDC, it is an opportunity to expand the LTV of each one of these consumers, right? If, if you're also selling women in home products, um, and, do you do you target the same consumers even though it's across different brands or does each one operate as individual not yet not, not yet. yet okay and i mean talking about long time value of customers in the marketplace it's difficult mm -hmm. I mean, i'm gonna be honest i mean we know how to get the customer that data not everyone can do it because i mean we have right. the technology to do that right but we don't really use it because in the end it's like and that's why it's it's not recurring revenue, but the revenue mm -hmm. is almost recurring because if you're positioned in the marketplaces, the supply will keep coming, right? Exactly. I mean, I mean if you want to buy, a, let's say, a trimmer mm -hmm. and you're positioned in the second place, mm -hmm. people will be finding the trimmer again, right? So once you're positioned there and you have certain revenue, it's very hard to lose it. And more, 
when there is more demand and supply in Latin America. Mm -hmm. So in terms of just like consumer behavior and shopping uh, in Latin America, what, how, wh why don't you give us a little like background of the landscape of e-commerce? I know you said there's Mercado Libre, there's Amazon, and there's a couple other players, but like, what do you think are some of the, the challenges in terms of like, how long it's taken to develop and and like where are we at right now in that that life cycle so the more the most important thing that people don't don't get yet is like there is more demand than supply mm -hmm. what does it mean there are no brands yet mm -hmm. i mean here you i mean supplements you can we can think about 100 brands in the u.s selling supplements in exactly. Latin america you cannot think about one uh. so they're really good sellers mm -hmm. they where are they are they in like just malls and like retail or like where where are the in sellers? the marketplaces the good the big sellers yeah they're not brands they're distributors of mm. chinese stuff oh i see so they sell i mean really bad quality chinese stuff but people people stuff buy they because they need it and that's yeah. all they have that's their and only that's option all they, have. they don't have better options about brands and yeah. that's that's where we come in and we say okay the mm. customers need this product let's build a brand behind it but right now it's like Chinese stuff. It's like AliExpress or, or something. Yeah. Products, yes. Right. Latin America right now is closer to AliExpress than to uh -huh. D2C uh, here. Mm -hmm. And so what are the brands? So I guess just now going into like future slash present in US, I guess now, you know, you say there's like say thousands of brands and supplements here. So what are, so what are companies in US? Like, what do they compete with? I mean, I guess like better, you know, branding? Like, is that the... Is that my, my opinion is very, like, very hard about that. I may be wrong because I don't know US, but my science, my intuition tells me the winners are Google and Amazon and uh, Facebook because it's yeah. about ads. Yeah, so yeah. everyone is bidding, unit economies are going down yeah. and the big tech, they're no getting... <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my sense. For sure. I mean, there's no other scalable way of acquiring customers here because you don't have the fragmentation in the marketplaces that you have in the US. So you can't even diversify through marketplaces, which is why everyone is like going so heavily into retail again. And then regardless, the retailers are selling online. So it all goes to big tech in one way or another, funnels back. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And then in terms of where, um, you know, I, I know you said you were in China a little while ago, right? And it, where, like, what time were you there? And what, what, what were you working on when you were there? It was four years ago. Basically, the summer is I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So when someone needed some, something from Spain, they called me and they say, okay, someone told me you can get me surfing boards. Yeah. I was like, of course. Of yeah. Course. I had no idea where the surfing boards were, but I, I figured it out and put like five containers of surf surfing boards going to Spain, right? So, it was really good to understand both the logistics, mm -hmm. but also like you could you could get you could get anything in China at the right price. Mm -hmm. um, this was like uh, five years ago. Also, like uh, I mean, you realize like e-commerce there is is another different totally. level. It's like yeah, yeah, and and that must have been really kind of crazy. That that must have been a really crazy experience to have in terms of like really getting to understand the like logistic side of everything, right? Because there's a lot of founders that are launching like e-commerce brands that maybe don't have a strong 
background in operations, logistics, the flow of goods, parts, et cetera. And they're just kind of like, oh, I have an idea for a product. And then they stumble into like learning out like, oh, there is a flow of goods and it needs to come from this supply and chain supply chain right? and all my, that my kind of stuff. He's the masters of that. Mm -hmm. Basically, uh, he led operations at British American Tobacco, mm -hmm. AstraZeneca, uh, then Delivery Hero, mm -hmm. um, then a rocket internet e-commerce mm -hmm. in Latin America, which IPO. Uh, so the guy is a master of that. I mean, I, I know it, right? But the guy yeah. is a is a is a master. Do you foresee one of the biggest challenges that you might face? Say is if DDC doesn't catch up to when you really need to like continue to expand beyond the marketplaces and the logistic infrastructure is still not there. Um, and remember, like right now, the the the, the market is a hundred billion total of this whole market. In three years, probably it's going to be 200 to 250 billion. Sure. I mean, our goal for three years is to have $1 billion top line. Mm -hmm. That's going to be 0.4% market share. Mm -hmm. So uh, the opportunity is so big, it's so massive yeah. that, and the tailwinds, like remember last fastest growing e-commerce market in the world, we, we need to be very stupid not to be at five to $10 billion company in three years. Mm -hmm. So what, so in terms of roadmap, it sounds like you guys are pretty dialed in, but what about markets, right? Why don't you tell us a little bit about how do you, how do things change across countries? I know you said you're in Mexico, Colombia, and you have some plans for, um, and that's something that you've done. You've launched markets in Latin America. So what's the difference across markets in Latin America and what's the difference in operating across those markets? I think the elephant in the room is Brazil. Mm -hmm. Everyone, I mean, you think about Brazil and you say, it's like, okay, you move from Mexico to Brazil. It's, I think like, Germany is closer to Mexico than Brazil. It's like something people don't understand from here, but it's like Brazil is a very complex market, import, export, um, where do you sell, taxes. Uh, it's a very complex market and we won't get in Brazil in the coming few years because it does not make sense. Um, but they're all like, I mean, the advantage is like Colombia and Chile. Mm -hmm. There are similar marketplaces, similar customers, and there is still lots of demand, right? So what we're doing right now is that we, without technology, we're launching different countries in Latin America, but we're sitting down in the same office in Mexico. Mm. And when it comes to like launching and being able to like deliver goods and handle the logistics side of all this across Latin America, are you focused on like growing supply and focus on specific markets to start out? Like it's like, for example, like are you really focused on selling a lot in Mexico City or are you kind of agnostic anywhere where purchasing? We don't know where we're selling. And the cool stuff, Mercado Libre and Amazon, they do everything for you. That's what I was going to say. So you don't have to worry about any of That's that That's a beautiful stuff. thing. We just focus on growth. You're using the, you know, so you're, you're, you're taking a ride with their infrastructure that they've of spent course. billions of dollars in building already. So you're like, able to deliver and tap into their network. Right. For, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't yeah, so you don't need it. to even worry about that. We just think about how can we automate all the warehouses, which mm. are all outsourced. Mm -hmm. So that when, I mean, the stuff comes from, let's say, China. Yeah goes to the centralized warehouse all the brands go to the same one we have great synergies between mm -hmm. the brands and then they goes to mercado libre full and so that's when you say well where can my capital have the most impact and it's an internal software exactly like, that's it's our, like our company is a software company we mm -hmm. talk about brands everything is beautiful indeed it's everything is software mm -hmm. and then something very 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 important is 50 percent, more than 50 percent of what we sell comes from mexico so right now, everyone is worried about supplies, chain, China. We're totally hedged against that. I mean, we don't have any problems regarding that. Right. And so did you start in Mexico City because 
you know, you were, were you living in Mexico? You weren't living in we Mexico. We were both, I mean, the founders, we all had experience in Mexico City. We know the market very well. Uh -huh. uh, so it's like a, Mexico City as a city is a, right. I mean, there are 20 million people even right. there, right? It's like a, I, I love, uh, my favorite part about everything in the story of your life is that you live where the opportunity is. Like, you know, you don't pick the opportunity base because like you're living there. You've literally chased it throughout, you know, the entire globe. Um, and I love that because I think people that might be listening, like they don't understand how much you, the opportunity cost of only finding an opportunity that is in your geographic area. Like you should be willing to just like move wherever the opportunity is. I mean, you've moved your life yeah. multiple times. To different countries. I don't, I don't think that's healthy either, but I mean, I don't <laughs> recommend it. But yeah, I, I mean, I and it's, it's a mix of opportunity, but also problems. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you're excited totally. about a problem to solve and then there is opportunity, it's the right mix. Mm -hmm. So why, why do you say it's not the smartest thing to do? I mean, if you're all your life based in the US, you have yeah. your friends, I don't know, in New York right. or in Miami, it's like, yeah. you're like based in a place. Yeah. I mean, I've been in Mexico for more than, for more than three years. It's a, I mean, I recommend everyone visiting Mexico. Do you like it? It's amazing. I mean, yeah. great food, great people. Uh, it's cheap. Lots nice of weather. opportunities. Uh, lots of, I mean, you, you saw it. Yeah. Lots of prepared people that want to jump in opportunity. I mean, it's a, I think it's a perfect place to be in. Mm -hmm. It's good weather. It's yeah. good weather. Yeah. I mean, and if you can combine it with Miami, like you guys, it's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, today is a particularly really nice day, but it is like this. Yeah, no, okay. the, yeah, Mexico City, it's, it's an amazing city. I, I, I've been many times. I love the, the food is incredible. The art, the, the climate, the people. It's, it's just, it's a really cool mix of, of everything and the startup scene, right? Yeah. Like, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's the startup scene and the tech scene like down there? So the beautiful thing, it's like, well, it is, it is still on the early days compared to the US. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been for a couple of years. It was, I was reading an article the other day, like, compared, like, it's been like in the last five years, uh, BC money, like investments have been multiplied by 18 times. Wow. So, I mean, there, there's been a change in the last, in the last five years. Now there is lots of capital being deployed in early stage deals. Um, and then the beautiful thing is like the later stage, the startups, we all know each other, right? Mm -hmm. Here in Miami, there are like, I don't know how many thousand founders in, in later stage in Mexico. For Latin America, the ecosystem is smaller. Um, I mean, we really help each other. Like it's, it's fun to be there. Mm -hmm. I went. Oh, so when I just went over there, I went to an event, um, and I plug in the address. It was around Condesa or something. And I get, oh, it was like between like Polanco and Condesa. And I get to this house. I'm like, all right, it's like a really big house. I walk in. There's like a hundred people, all founders, all VCs. I'm like what like i was not expecting at all I, I don't think i've even been to a party like that in miami yet so like there's a lot of people you know um chasing the opportunity there i found particularly interesting the the fact that you know i was talking with someone they're like 13 percent of mexican population like has a debit card like the race for fintech there is insane um, I, give, I give you a very extreme example so when we were in green scooters, we were working with, I mean, people that were like transporting, like moving scooters, right? So I was having, I, I made a friend, uh, in, he told me like, we were talking about his life and he was, 
yeah, I don't get to to the next month. They have problems spending. I was like, uh, and I asked him like, so you save money? And he was like, what do you mean? Say, I was like, okay, you, you get some money from what you earn and you keep it to yourself or you invest so that that grows. And he, he told me they, stay, they steal from you. And I was like, hold on. What do you say? Yes, the banks steal from you, right? And I was like, not really. Like <laughs> you can open a bank yeah. account. And he like, no, like he told me like, I, I save for like the next two weeks um, in my house. So he had no, no oh, car, anything. Like, and it was like, that's something like it changed my mindset. That, in like, Mexico? This was in, in Mexico, Mexico. Wow. And then you see people in China, like I was coming from China, like you see people from with right. Alipay yeah. that they were laughing at me because I was, I mean, I still have my, my credit card right. in my pocket exactly. and people in China laugh at me because of that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can see like the, the future and the past. Mm -hmm. That's so insane. I mean, and this is kind of a side note, but like, that's also, you know, that's that's gonna keep changing and when that solves i mean that expands your time like insanely because people that's can't buy online as you know only 12 percent of the population is buying it's it's tapping into know. online commerce and then 12 percent of that probably one percent or five percent at most optimistically has made an online purchase so, so think about where these people buy right now so they go to retail like mm -hmm. let's say the walmart of latin america they go to these places and they they steal them right basically they're paying 100 percent interest rates for things they buy we're talking about 100 percent interest rate i don't need they don't even realize they're paying this interest it's like it's so fucked up wow what, what do you mean so like, they're like retailers for example yeah. they need to buy a tv yeah. and they go to uh i don't want to say names but they yeah. go to this let's say big store to buy a tv and it's like so cheap it's like yeah. Fifty dollars, mm -hmm. but they they don't realize the interest they're paying. How much time mm. they're gonna be paying that for? They get a credit card from the they get they the, get credit from the from store. the store. Oh, yeah. so the store is giving them credit, but right. at a, like a hundred percent interest rate. So they're yeah. giving them the good for cheap, but then they have to yeah. pay to get right. it back. I mean, yeah, I mean the, they they don't have financial education for like all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, but I think e-commerce is gonna help a lot with yeah. that because I mean, sure. if you're if you're sincere, I mean. You tell them people what are they buying. So it's a it's a trust factor. Like, you know, it's a trust factor with the money, with the government, with I mean, even in taxes, like it's pretty insane. Um, from a taxes perspective, isn't it? Like I, I I heard from a friend that had a wedding there or something and all the people, all the guests or something, like they had to pay for taxes for all the guests that were visiting for the wedding. I just hired people there. Um, and the tax rates are way higher than I expected it to be. Well, that's that's good for me because there are barriers of entry for you guys that want to come down to Latin America. Uh -huh. <laughs> so if you get to understand this, that's good for me. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so how many people are you? Are do you have at Rio Grande? Right now? We're on 40, 45 people. Okay, that's a fast. I mean, when did you launch? A year ago. A year. A little bit more than a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fast ramp up. So what do you hope to be at by the end of the year? So that's that's the biggest challenge. Uh -huh. um, it's very cheap to hire really good people in Latin America, uh -huh. but at the same time, we want to do everything through tech. Mm -hmm. So there are some comparables right now that they have 250 employees. Mm -hmm. To be honest, that's that's my goal is not to get to that. So the the easiest thing for us is to hire more people right now, but we want to do everything through technology, mm -hmm. right? So it's our 
it's kind of a the right the right place between them both is like you need to hire of course but it's like how can you hire more tech people product people so that you can scale everything through technology and i mean my dream would get would be to get to this one billion dollars in 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 top line 25 percent to 35 percent EBITDA margins with less than 100 people that would be mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i was just thinking through the software that you have for marketplaces have you not had that you need one rep per each like you know five SKUs or something to go across all marketplaces like that alone you know probably saved you 20 people of course that the SaaS marketplace software. and that's that's a beautiful thing yeah so we automated pricing right now pricing is automated we're automating uh performance so my the this goal is built in house yeah everything yeah. and no one has this proprietary tool that's that's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing so the dream is to have us three looking at three screens uh-huh. of our 30 brands growing 10 percent month over month and we're talking yeah. while we see the screens that's it that's you just it. join the podcast and yeah. just do this what's the reason that's uh, a dream yeah so what are the for those people who are curious about going into latin america tapping into the opportunity because you know, it's it's for the people listening. It, it might not. It, it's not just fifteen years behind just in e-commerce. It, it's in a lot of things. So, what are the markets that or the industry, the verticals that you particularly find that that are interesting and might be good opportunities right now in Latin America? So, or is it all fintech my, and e-commerce and logistics? It, inside e-commerce, my I mean, regarding brands or verticals, my only advice would be uh, don't focus on niches focus on the broad market, right? Think about what does 80% of the market needs. I mean, if you focus on the, so the top 1% of Mexico, oh no, not 1%, maybe it's even less. They have access to the best brands here in the US. Mm-hmm. So they, you don't really need to focus on them. But remember like 80% of the market, 100 million people in Mexico, they don't have, they don't have supply, right? So. Inside e-commerce, inside D2C, I would try to find what are the broader things that people need in Latin America. The difficult thing, and that's what I'm solving, is how can you how can you start operating? So if you start operating in, try to operate in Amazon Mexico, Mercado Libre, Linio, Coppella, and a few others, you're gonna spend one year trying to understand how to get the how to get the, the, the permissions to sell there mm-hmm. and you even, even get the logistics. I mean, it's very complex to operate there. That's I, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like that's the exact marketing ch- challenge of like trying to grow your brand on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Like it's, it's each, they're all different. They're all completely different. And it they doesn't all, scale. Yeah, it doesn't scale, but that's, that's your bet. Your bet is that you can make it scale. It's, yeah. yeah, what I'm doing yeah. is scale right. Um, and so, okay, so now let's say the founder might have found an opportunity and now they want to raise money in Latin America. There's a lot of like headlines and all the racing that's happening in Latin America, but is it American funds? Like, or is the racing actually happening there? Like, is, is it? That's, that's a great question, man. Again, personal opinion, and this is not, this is subjective, but, um, there are very few good funds mm-hmm. in Latin America. Um, I think it's good for, to raise from there. For example, we raised from a, a fund that used to be called uh, Jaguar. It's Wolf now. Um, they're raising the, the last fund is a hundred million fund. The guys let our seed 
Um, and the founder, I mean, the partner, Eric, was a uh, founder of Mercado Libre Mexico. And in my opinion, they are like the best uh, fund in e-commerce. So it was good to have this local fund. Then we have Magma Partners, which is Nate, who is a great guy. Um, but the very few, I mean, they're kind of uh, sketchy people. There are like mm -hmm. lots of sharks around. Mm -hmm. So I would say good funds in Latin America, less than 10 for sure. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as you have certain scale, you need to come to the U.S. and focus on investors here. Mm -hmm. I had a really uh, unique experience with uh, with a fund um, it, it, with celebrities tied to it. It was a really odd experience. Um, in in Mexico, they reached out to me. They were from there. Yeah, um, but and so I was curious. Like you know, it's it, their diligence process was also very different. I'm like, dude, I, there's no way I'm doing all this. The diligence was like really. I quick. told you about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, what about for founders who want to get into YC or like you know are looking for their first break into, you know, do you recommend a going into an accelerator and and like what do you recommend for anyone that like? Might so I would yes, it depends a lot. I mean, depends on who is your. I mean, I would say like if you're doing e-commerce and you're doing a brand, focus on how can I scale this. So, the, the probability of having a brand getting into YC is mm. very, 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 very low. Mm -hmm. If you're doing something different, I would, I would recommend YC if you're like a first time founder. Uh, I've made lots of friends there and I would never regret doing YC. Mm -hmm. The question is like, would do I do YC again? I don't know. I don't have the answer yet. And hopefully I, I, I'm focused on Rebrander for the next 10 years. Um, but yes, I mean, if you are not to anyone, I would recommend applying, trying to get in. If they accept you, you have the happy problem you can choose. And the process of applying, um, I mean, doing going through the application, the video, it's going to help you a lot on answering the right questions. You seem to have, and this is sort of rapid fire, you seem to have like, you know, this macro view and decision making and very like data driven, like, you know, the way you answered you know, the probability of, you know, no, no, not catching a certain percentage of the market and by what time do you expect it to be X percent in the probabilities of YC? Where does this come from? Is this from like your analyst, like uh, banking it, background? It seems or? like that I'm less, I'm less like that than you may think. I'm really yeah. happy my, my, my co-founders, both Ivan and Fede are much more rational and better <laughs> decision makers than, than myself. Let's say I'm the, the crazy one on the, on mm -hmm. the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've always tried to look about, I mean, like everyone, like try to have numbers before you answer something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what's, uh, what's next in the, in the next like couple months, like w what are, what are the, I know you said some challenges in terms of like hiring yourself focused on building tech, but like in the immediate and short term, like what are, what are your core things that you guys are trying to solve with, with Rio Grande? To be honest, like, if I had more time. Uh, I would like, would love to spend some more time in the US, both in Miami, LA, New York, meeting the best D2C and e-commerce founders here, because as mentioned, like, I mean, it's like being in the future. So, um, I think one, one thing I need to learn from, from you guys, and you have helped me a lot, like Ramon has helped me a lot, is like how to have better branding. We're so focused on tech and scalability and everything is going so well that sometimes we forget about, Hey, how can I have, really good brands right mm -hmm. so that's that's something we we will need to to look at 
and meeting the right people here in, in the US is going to help us a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, so yeah, so if anyone's listening and they want to get in touch, um, you know, where can they find you? I would say Twitter, uh, Tono Mandli, T-O-N-O-M-A-N-D-L-Y. Uh, that's uh, the best place, I would say. Perfect, perfect. And what about for Rio Grande? Rio Grande .co. Okay. CO, it's our website. Um, and if you have any doubts, I mean, they have their, their contact and your contact and mine. Yeah. So, yeah. sweet. Perfect. Awesome. Well, love having you on, love learning about it and can't wait to, uh, to see where things go over, you know, the next couple of years as, as the market okay. picks up. We will have time. I'm crashing this sofa for the next few months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're always welcome. <laughs> I'm already here. <laughs> you won't move it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you.